0: Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Welcome to the show today. Um, Lou and I are going to be discussing retention and engagement as a part of your product strategy. And so, um, this is something top of mind for us, um, going into the next quarter and, and trying to grow any sort of business as a part of your product strategy, retention and engagement are some of the most impactful levers that you have to go, um, tackle from, as a part of your product strategy. And so, um, I have this top of mind, um, and how to structure our teams, you know, that, that kind of goes along the same lines of, conversations we've been having but structuring them around elements of the retention uh engagement um, focus areas so that we can actually um you know be at a place that we can grow the business and so um yeah lou what's your experience with um organizing around those two elements
1: man we we just started off the beginning of the year and that was where we actually did it for our core for the core ibotta application and actually restructured our teams exactly in that way. We found areas in the what we call the saver lifecycle, like the you know, person's life cycle. And our goals were to boost repeat rate, reactivation, and reactivation. overall retention. Like so it's kind of funny, but I think it, probably any business that doesn't have some level of reactivation or, or like retention metrics or something like that is probably making some mistakes. And, you know, if right. they're not focused on it, they're they're not going to be focused on it for long because they're probably not going to be around. <laughs> but I'm kind of curious, Kevin, so you brought yeah. this up to the topic this morning. What's what's going on in your world and wh- what challenges are you seeing?
0: Yeah, I think um it I would say death spiral. Maybe that okay. that that word. Um, when you see a retention graph that is trending to zero and doesn't flatten out, there's an issue. And so I think it's an issue that we need to address, I would say, right? Like we'd want that to at least, at the very least, flatten out. And so, you know, organizing a team around now what's causing it and kind of diagnosing that problem and then being able to put a um, strategy in place to um, execute against that problem that we've uh, diagnosed. Um, and, you know, we've, we bucketed it into those three different focus areas of, you know, time to activation uh, being a part of that first half of the cohort of that retention cohort, um, engagement being in that, you know, flattening the curve essentially. And then, you know, I don't even want to tackle reactivation until we can flatten, right? Because if we reactivate with, you know, it's, it's,
1: uh, it, it, introducing the same problems yeah, over the, and over. Exactly. Again. Right. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, the goal would be, you know, in the short term, how do you flatten, um, And then I think putting a percentage of the time towards that time to activation. And then, um, I'm also looking at time to innovation. So that's more of an internal metric, but I'm going to, I have an interesting way. I'm going to start measuring that. And I'm excited to kind of, um, have a team to enable innovation internally as well. So
1: nice. What, what's the leading issue you found so far?
0: Yeah. Good question. I mean, in you, you can only see so much with data. You have to get in front of customers and it, it's interesting. I, I've seen a lot of different, um, I've heard a lot of different behaviors that then actually do make sense in the data. When I see it, um, there are some like voluntary, uh, or involuntary churn, uh, uh, folks, right. So Where like they would want to work with us, but it's not, um, we're not giving them that value um and so what what's the right word i think that is like an involuntary churn right because they still want to work with us and they still kind of are but the amount that they're able to work with us kind of dwindles over time because the tool becomes less useful over time yeah. and so we're kind of trying to diagnose why um and then we have this big chunk of folks billing's always an issue at any saas company yeah. i find like it's just it's always such a headache and so i think that is an area that um, we can definitely improve on and, um, and then just usability as a bucket. Like, I think that's just the, the consumerization of te- SAS products is real. It's, it's happening. And if you're not ke- ke- keeping up with that trend, uh, you're dying. And so I think that is a, is prime for competitive, uh, switches, um, right. So if another competitor has a more usable product, um, more easy to understand they they value product design, like it, it's some it's it's an intangible that comes off in these interviews that I find um that they, they kind of speak to it without directly speaking to it because they don't know how to put words to it yeah. and so they're just like well you know it's i I can't really make sense of this or like it was hard to find this and so those types of words I'm like well there's our usability bucket right and so um, yeah. yeah that's kind of how I've diagnosed it so far but
1: you know it's kind of something interesting that you're keying in there and it was a thought that I was having about it is you know, even for the listeners too, right. It depends on your product, your market and what you're trying to do, right. If you go out and create a wedding website, obviously you're not going to be retaining people (laughs) because there's a certain percentage of people who aren't going to get married again. Right. And they're only going to use your product for predetermined period of time. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think there's a, one of the things that was standing out to me in here is that there's a mathematics lesson to this, right. Mm. There's a mathematics lesson of acquisition, activation, right? The first time they pay or the first time you get money off of it, how long they pay for, how long Mm. they use your system. And then ultimately deciding if it's, if it's in your best interest, like, are they supposed to go to zero or are they not? Are we supposed to retain 25%? That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you look at a product like, uh, um, I think like any of the dating products, right? Like if you, yeah. if you've used that and you've successfully find someone, of course they're going to, yeah, go to zero on retention. That's okay because that's the need, right? Yeah.
1: Well, judging by the dating products today, it seems like we're engineering. So they don't, uh, <laughs> so they don't have success. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, but I think, I think that's kind of to the point, right? Like start the first way, when you look at retention and activation and all these metrics is what's the goal and what, and yeah, what's the life right. cycle of your product going to be? You know,
0: you also we, spoke to something that was kind of interesting. Like you, you mentioned revenue in, in a lot of the retention cohorts are looking at revenue, but wonder like that, that you, if you could learn more outside of the revenue um, and getting to that behavioral uh, retention, right. And having use cases and, and customer segments by use case.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally think you could, and that's actually how I've been trying to approach it recently. Is that like, like okay, instead of thinking about it in your overall population, let's think about it by cohort. Mm -hmm. So one of the interesting challenges we've been dealing with is we create a new set of web products, and we are in the we've been working on migrating the core. I bought a user from platform A to platform B, and they do, but then we're looking at the data and going whoa, what the heck? We thought this Mm. was going to be way better. And it's like, well, no, the problem is this cohort of users is used to using the applications. They're going to do things infrequently on this particular platform. And then we went out and kind of to your point, like went back to the market and did a segmentation analysis and found that our online users are almost an inverse of who uses our app user. And so you start thinking about it from cohort. Okay, well, maybe this new group, it's more expensive to acquire but maybe they retain at a higher rate. Or, mm. like I said in this mathematics cra- crazy question, it's like maybe they're only going to stick around for six months, but during that time, they're going to freaking kill it. They're going to just be spending out the wazoo. Mm. And then after that, it's like, okay, cool. Well, we've made our money back. And then plus 20%, we can right. ride that roller coaster all day mm. long if those numbers pan out
0: right you're talking about that customer acquisition cost to ltv ratio right like if you if you have that you know solved then yeah there's the retention is i get yeah i guess less important at that point right depending on the goals but
1: yeah i mean it the i'm saying it's all a variable right like if right, we yeah. you know and this you know this could be kind of like the funny thing but i was trying to put together some thoughts on it about how we would build products to match with these different markets and Mm. What incentivizes this customer of a certain type to come in? How does that affect the, um, the cost of acquisition for that customer? How does that affect the activation rate? How does that affect the duration that they stay around the ultimate amount that they spend, assuming you have a varied spend platform. Mm. And then ultimately how does that drive long-term profitability? And then what's the length of time that it takes us to get there. And then you can kind of reverse engineer. It's kind of a interesting equation. Yeah.
0: I like that. Um, So, so when you, I guess the one thing top of mind for me was, you know, doing the customer research, identifying the issue, and then kind of, you know, having these buckets of focus areas or, you know, uh, themes that we can potentially tackle to address just overall retention, which is such a broad metric. It's hard to contribute. And then I've kind of gone down this other path of like, you know, we can take this in a different direction, but like quantifying the value of uh, R&D essentially, right? Product and, and engineering and being able to speak to the value that a pod squad that you spin up would have if they can go and move this metric, right? And so that was an interesting exercise where we actually worked with a financial institution to build out this very complex modeling exercise to, uh, I think it was to uh, raise capital initially and to show, hey, if we are able to move these varying metrics within these customer cohorts, what that would have down to the bottom line. And so I think there is something interesting there. Like if you as a product leader can build that calculator, to then help the team, you know, um, prioritize, but also you know, uh, fight for resources. Right? If they have that tool and the ab- uh, uh, ability to say, "Here are the bets we want to take. Here are the assumptions we have, and if that's correct, here's the assumption on the impact that it has." And then that you know, if they have that repeated behavior of success then it's more than likely to pan out and make such a good business case to then go higher and continue to build the team. So then that team can say, well, yeah, we want to move these metrics. We have a 75% uh, time to innovation uh, or success rate, you know? And, uh, um, and so, yeah. yeah.
1: The other key thing with funnel, the other key thing with funnel too, and this is something that, you know, I recognize that I was thinking that I would say I've recognized recently is that it's not just a product thing right it's a Mm. it's a marketing thing it's a sales thing it's a like it's kind of like everybody's got to be involved right Mm because if you let's say you target the wrong demographic for your product the wrong audience and then you're like surprised like why aren't they retaining or activating (laughs) it's like well no duh like Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like it's like you know you can't put a crate and barrel in inner city Detroit and expect it to do well, you know, like you just wouldn't Yeah. right. In the same way that when Redbox was coming out, they ran a test and they put 10 red boxes all over the, all over the city and they found the demographic neighborhoods where they performed the best. And it wasn't mm. in, you know, what they initially expected. So I think there's like, and that's also a key part of it too, is right. You, I think products goal in this is, To not create reasons for people to leave the product, like basically make a good overall product, generally speaking, but then to work in partnership with marketing, finance, business pricing, right? Because, you know, we made this joke at Ibotta, right? If I gave you guys $100 to make your first redemption, our activation rate would go through the roof. Simple as that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And then, well, that's why you kind of have that equation of that customer acquisition cost to LTV ratio has to be, you know, a one to one, right? And, or or, or uh, you're you're getting more on the LTV side to the customer acquisition cost, so then you can uh, um, can flood it with marketing spend, right? Or or yep. I mean, you still have to be cautious, right? But if if that hundred dollars still is maintains that ratio, then absolutely, it's worth it, right? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So I, so where does products roll in that strategy? Like, what are the levers? Do they, what levers do they have to influence that strategy?
1: And, um, I'd say the first thing is problem product school as I've been thinking about it, just holistically from an org perspective is to make sure the company is solving the right problems. Mm. And I shouldn't say just, the product and engineering team which i think we often pigeonhole ourselves into things that can be built but i think mm-hmm. product's role is to make sure the company is solving the right problems and that might mean surfacing hey we can collaborate to build this but hey marketing we're looking at the conversion rates based on the data you know could we try some new incentive programs and you know that might help with this to at least rule out that incentives aren't the reason for this right like you know, you do own the product, but you would want to know, or at least I would want to know, okay, are the people not converting because our incentive structure isn't good enough? Is it because our price is too high, right? Mm. So if the sales guy goes out and sets the price at $100, but the market's only willing to pay $25, is that because the product wasn't good? No, that's because you priced it inappropriately. So I think as a product person, your goal is to say, okay, our problem is retention. What are all the cross functional reasons why that could be the case? And how do I X them off one at a time?
0: So, um, you know, we spoke about one area to identify the problems that is causing the retention um, issues. A lot of it's assumption based, right? You can have some quantitative backing, but there could just be a lot of qualitative feedback you're hearing. Maybe you bucket it into like five different themes. You can't necessarily say that maybe you do tie it back to like here, here's how many customers and you have a multiplier on that to you know derive impact um, potentially. Um, how would you go about that if you had yeah this let's say you had like 10 different themes that could be causing retention issues. How do you then back into what bet do we make first?
1: I could like maybe give a simple example. Yeah. At one point, I started this e commerce site. It was a drop shipping site, and everybody sees the like get rich quick, you know, on, on YouTube. <laughs> and I, I thought, hey, I'll give it a go. It worked Love out it. pretty well for until nice. COVID hit. Um, but I wanted to learn about e commerce. And so fundamentally, the thing that I went there is at first I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to start doing Facebook ads. And, you know, I was getting some return on ad spend. They were going, they were clicking into the website. I'm like, okay, people are here, why aren't they buying? Right. And then I start doing the website analytics. Like, what are they looking at? Are the coolest products getting put to the front of the page? Are they able to search properly? Do we have too many results? Are the categories good enough? And so, my first goal at that level was to go, okay, well, I want to decrease the bounce rate. So, if people should, if I spend all this money on advertising and they're gone after 30 seconds, then I'm just totally wasting it. Hmm. And then I went through there and at least confirmed those problems. Cause it's like, you want to solve that no matter what, right? Like you want to solve page index, speed, load speed. Like you want to solve all the technical things, improve the checkout flow. And then I started looking out, okay, how many people add to cart? How many people, why aren't they checking out? And then I went back and said, okay, well maybe I'm just not doing the right ads or advertising the right products in the right way. And I hired a firm out of London Uh, Some people I met on Upwork and said, Hey, I need you guys to revamp my ad strategy and who I'm marketing to. And within a day, all of a sudden I started seeing conversions on the website. I was like, Wow, oh my God, this is so cool. Right. (laughs) And then, but the thing is, I had it also in my head how much money I should be spending on ads. And then by proxy, like what my checkout totals would look like. What I didn't realize is that my customer acquisition cost was like fifty bucks, and everybody'd be like, "Whoa, what the f why are you spending fifty bucks get a, to get a purchase you no way you're gonna make the money. Well, my average sale is four hundred dollars. so I could sit there and spend that money right mm-hmm. and it still had that margin, which was great, but like Absolutely. it's about challenging I think every single assumption and then Diversifying the products on the page. That was something I put a lot of effort into. Like, do I am I covering enough in lighting? Am I covering enough of like this style? Or hey, these products haven't sold at all. Like I'm just gonna remove them. Keep it simple. Don't put non-selling products on the page. Um, social proofing, right? Like adding review mechanisms, like so people could come and upload and leave reviews and starting to build that and incentivize reviews. Um mm check out like those silly timers that show up that give you like seven minutes to check out, man, those things boost conversion by 10, 15%. Hmm. Like it, it's really like solve one problem then the next, then the next and the next, honestly.
0: Well, I love that. But, but I, I guess to pull that back into a larger company setting, like you're yeah. identifying the customer acquisition cost to LTV. And if you can, you know, if you have the LTV greater than CT, uh, the CAC, or, or at least one to one, you you can continue to flood. You know, flood that um, top of the funnel loop, what have you? Um, actually, because you know you're going to ret- get that on the return. But yeah, go ahead.
1: You know what? This is actually standing out to me, and I'm thinking even about Ibotta in General. Yeah, it's you have to be willing to take risk, mm. right? When you're going to solve your funnel issues. I think the problem, I think what happens when we go, oh my God, our funnel's not great. We tunnel in and our whole goal is to minimize risk, Mm. right? We're we're, all of a sudden, we're just like, oh my God, but I couldn't possibly do this if it gets 2% worse. Oh my God, it's going to be so bad. (laughs) Right? Like, tell me that's not the mindset that you first have when Mm. when you're approaching the funnel. It's like, I better not screw it up. Mm. You know, you don't want to take it. Yeah. So,
0: so... Yeah. So removing those constraints or that fear of failure for the, um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the risk adverse and then experimenting and seeing what sticks, right? Like there's that balance of being too calculated and detailed on the data side of things that it prevents a decision, um, or prevents experimentation or trying things out. Um, and then there's the other way of like you know, uncalculated uh, um, bets where you just it's yeah Throw <laughs> you' know, shooting so at sticks wall, right?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, well, but I think actually that might be the real might be the real thing, right? Mm-hmm. I had to spend, you know, at the time, I was just doing this myself. I was just spending thousands of bucks, like trying new ad campaigns, trying new mm. this, trying new that, like kind of hoping it would go. But I was making adjustments all along the way. Yeah, exactly. each thing, right? Like I would add something to the website. I would check the traffic. I would take and it see away. That,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah see that.
1: how that goes. But I think there's that you have to have an element of risk taking to yes. solve funnel problems. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's scale, right? Like, how do you think about, well, cause kind of what you were saying, just again, to, to uh, put that in a theme is like, you're experimenting, you're, you're measuring your, uh, and then you're, um, making a decision whether or not to kill or invest or try something new. Right. And so you have this framework of like, let's try this and in it, they're fast, right? Like you, you said, like, what, what is the, uh, what's the life cycle? Is it like a week or two week? Like you can maybe, I mean, it when I was doing myself, right? obviously yeah. it was
1: daily. Right. But yeah.
0: so you can experience I mean, with something, you, you see if it's successful or not based on the data and you determine whether or not to tweak it or just get rid of it. Right.
1: Or sometimes ego, it, maybe it's intuition too. Right. Like, you know, yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, you know, here's the, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like we can all, like, we're doing a project right now to basically overhaul the website mm-hmm. on ibotta.com. Right completely re graphic change. And some people would say, well, how do you know this element on this page is going to make that difference? And it's like, dude, I just know a good page will make a difference. Like there's something about this objective, like or I would say subjective beauty standards that Mm. we hire designers for. Yeah. Because that's what we hire a designer for. Right. We hire a designer to like think about how the car looks before it's presented to the market.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that speaks to a little bit of like, how do you, how do you build that intuition over time with everyone on your team, which is hard, right? Because I think you as a product leader will have that. And how do you kind of instill that same way of thinking, um, to get to that good intuition, but for experience? You
1: know, it's something that we've been struggling with. And I think this is, you've probably heard this term, right? A feature factory, Yeah, right? Feature is your company is your company a feature factory or are you a true product led organization? Mm. And the difference, you know, if you're not familiar, so a feature factory just means we're just sitting here, we're building one thing after another PMs. All they do is really like, and this is like the tactical. I sit here, I talk to sales marketing, blah, 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 all the different organizations. They each give me a list of stuff they want to build. and I basically pick which ones. Right. Mm-hmm. But true product I think you take that step back and you look at the market and you ask ourselves fundamentally, is this the right product? How should Mm. we be thinking about it? How should, you know, and in a huge spectrum. And that's something that actually I'm working on with my team right now is like, you have a team of mobile engineers. Would you still be building the same product? And if the answer is no, we better start thinking about what product we're going to build.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, but- at scale, right? When you have it, I think that's we see that pretty commonly with fang companies are just like the, the individuals on the team are almost more of like a feature factory, right? They, they're asked to be um, more strategic potentially, but I think that it's kind of coming top down and it really doesn't it almost doesn't matter, right? Like if you're, maybe, maybe I'm misinterpreting that environment. And again, I haven't been a part of one of those before, but it's kind of the sense I get when I talk with people from there is that, you know, they're kind of just, you know, doing a bunch of things and they, it's a, it's a system with all this bureaucracy and there's not really this, um, yeah, it's more policy and procedure and it's less, um, you know, being creative and innovating and getting that stuff and experimenting with smart people. Like there's all these kind of hoops and data that you have to justify and to get visibility. And I, I don't know, it just sounds like
1: it's probably like a scope and a scale issue, right? Like if you're like, if your scope is limited to just your team and you're only thinking about the team that you're on and it's like, how do I, like my goal is to animate the billing cycle like of course like you're going to be trapped you know yeah absolutely unless unless you're like the creative thinker who's like you know what you know let's just go out and we're going to throw crypto into the billing cycle and we're going to like (laughs) let's
0: make it complicated
1: yeah everything will be paid in dogecoin it'll be excellent yeah (laughs) anyway
0: yeah i uh man well this this conversation took us in a lot of different rabbit holes but i love it Um, if we were to reset a little bit on retention and engagement (laughs) and the strategy, um, yeah, like what, what kind of action items or or maybe homework assignments can we give to our listeners in relation to, you know, this, this concept?
1: I'd say take a step back and look at all the variables that go into your, what we'll call it your funnel. And think about where your business model makes sense in relationship to those variables. So Mm -hmm. that can tell you if you really need to drive retention, how important that is, or if you're in the wedding industry, right? Maybe it's not about driving retention, but it's about driving referrals, Mm -hmm. you know? So I would encourage you to take a step back, think about all the variables in that funnel, and then decide which one is the most impactful to your business model and start there.
0: Yeah, I would. I would say, you know, look at a if you have if you don't have a retention cohort graph by behavior metrics, get one. Put that in place. Take a look at it. See the behaviors. Right? It, it, what what themes or um, patterns are you recognizing um, potentially within their customer segments or cohorts? And then. And then, like, take take that a step further, right? Like, keep analyzing that, but also take it from the qualitative perspective of getting in front of a user to, um, you know, validate some of the assumptions you might have on the data. And then that I think that'll help you really articulate a good strategy on to how to attempt addressing that if there are issues with retention, addressing those issues, right? <laughs> well, thanks, Lou. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, looks like we finished up our coffee, so... Go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on
1: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.